on Audio, the podcast for writers and all who are interested in books, literature and the printed word. Write on Audio is the weekly companion podcast of Write On Magazine and the Write On suite of publications from pen to print. Subscribe by searching pen to print in your favourite podcast app to have new editions delivered to you each week. Write On Audio listener contributions, sharing your writing for the world to hear. Our listener contribution this month is from Millie Murray. Born in 1958 to Jamaican parents, Millie has lived all her life in the east of London. She writes fiction and non-fiction for both young people and adults. Her first attempt at short story writing, The Escape, was published in the 1986 anthology Watchers and Seekers. Many other short stories followed, including A Passage of Time for Radio 4's Caribbean Drift. Millie's career has spanned acting, dance and theatre production. She works with community and youth services in the London boroughs of Newham, Barking and Dagnum, offering creative writing and motivational development workshops in schools. My name is Millie Murray. I currently write for young adults and crime fiction. My first short story that I attempted and was published was in the anthology Watchers and Seekers, which was the first book published in this country predominantly by black British women. I then went on to write my first young adult novel because I was encouraged by an editor who felt that I would be able to do this. I attempted to do my first book, which was entitled Keisha, about a young girl whose parents had divorced and she initially thinks it's because of her, but through the course of time she realises that her parents do not get on and it wasn't her fault. Many of my books that I have written have dealt around particular subjects in which I create characters that can portray the situation that I want to be seen. I'm going to read an excerpt from my book entitled Lois. Lois is a young black girl whose parents were quite wealthy and her father becomes bankrupt and they lose their home and their money and their way of life. They then have to move to a poorer part of town and she has to leave her private school and attend the local comprehensive school and adjust to the new life that she has to live. The piece that I will read is when she starts the first day at her school. Tentatively, I opened the door. I didn't dare look at Mum as I felt I would turn tail and run as far away from this place as I possibly could. Bye, Lois. Mum's voice was hardly audible as I stepped into the hot classroom. The door closed behind me and I knew then that I was on my own. Hello, smiled Miss Levine. You must be Lois Darnell. This is class 10AR. Please find a seat over back there. She pointed vaguely. I did my best to follow her lead. I sat down next to a pretty Asian girl whose shoulder-length hair 
gleamed with health. I smiled at her. She snatched her bag from the chair as I was just about to sit down. The look she gave me was poisonous. I glanced at the person to the left of me. A tall black girl looked me up and down and then she turned her back on me. She came across as mysterious and dangerous. My stomach flipped over a few times and goosebumps pricked my skin. Looking straight ahead at Miss Levine wasn't easy for me either. The young black guy in front of me leaned around and was staring at me with his tongue hanging out of his mouth. Then he began to lick his lips, staring at me all the while. He made me think of the wolf in the Little Red Riding Hood story. I was trying hard to hold myself together, but the hostility that permeated the air was beginning to suffocate me and it seemed more concentrated where I was sitting. The noise level in the classroom had steadily got louder. Miss Levine had to shout so that she could be heard. The boy in front leaned closer to me and said, Lois, nice name. You look like you need some sorting out, he winked. You know what I mean? I'll meet you after we get to know one another. All right. He looked me over and said, nice, nice. He winked again. The girl next to me laughed. The girl on my left grabbed my arm. Listen. She pointed to the laughing boy in front. Tufa is my best friend's man, right? And when I tell her that you have been messing with him, your life won't be worth living. She spat out between clenched teeth. I wanted to tell her that she'd got it wrong, that it was him, not me. But my mouth was fixed, my jaw was locked, and words that were usually quick out of my mouth were frozen somewhere in my chest cavity. A buzzer sounded and chairs were scraped across the floor in the haste to get out of the classroom. Tufa was up and out the door just as quick without giving me a backward glance. The black girl and the Asian girl and myself were the only ones left. Miss Levine walked over to us, wearing a large smile. Oh, Jennifer and Nira, isn't that kind of you to look after Lois on her first day? Why don't you take her to the tuck shop for a quick snack? After break time, you can take her to your next lesson. Jennifer smiled at Miss Levine and said it would be no problem. I didn't have time to protest against this plan as both Jennifer and Nira held each of my arms and escorted me out the door. At the threshold, Miss Levine quickly added, Lois, Marston Hills is a far cry from Hartonswood, but I'm sure you'll really like it here, she smiled. I shuddered as both my escorts held onto my arms even tighter and walked me out of the door and along the corridor. How much money do you have? asked Nira. I wasn't sure she was talking to Jennifer or me, so I didn't answer her. I soon found out. Are you deaf or something? Nira tugged my arm. My mind raced as I realised that depending on my answer, this situation could get totally out of control. I knew that I was in a dangerous position. Uh, why? I quavered. No, I don't want you to ask me why. 
I just want to know how much your rich parents gave you to spend this morning. Do you understand me now? Barked Nero. I, 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 I don't know how much, I whispered. Well, we'll have to find out then, won't we? Jennifer looked at me, still holding onto my arm. We'd left the main building now and were walking across the yard. Raindrops were spitting down on us. Ahead was some porter cabins that were used as extra classrooms. I really hoped that we were not going to be the only ones there. There were pupils milling around us and I desperately wanted to cry out for help, but I couldn't. When they spotted Jennifer nearer, they quickly scooted off. That only added to my fear. I tried to resist them by pulling back and by trying to shake off their hands. But Jennifer in particular was one tough cookie. I felt as though she had some personal relevant feelings towards me. But why? We stopped at the last porter cabin that was as far away from the main school building as possible. This is it, I thought. They're going to do their worst to me here. I resigned myself to the thought that at least if they got whatever they were going to do to me over and done with as quickly as possible, then perhaps I could just go back to my class. Or was that wishful thinking? Entering the porter cabin, the smoky atmosphere caught me by surprise. I had hoped they wouldn't be alone, but I certainly wasn't expecting their friends. Why have you brought her here, Jennifer, eh? A white girl was speaking. Her complexion was like cream. She had wonderful, prominent high cheekbones and her blonde cane row plaits were neatly tied, hanging down her back. She inhaled deeply on a cigarette and asked Jennifer again. Well, why, Jennifer? Because she was chatting up your toofer, that's why. Jennifer laughed and the other girls that were there joined in. The girl got off the table. She wasn't smiling. She walked towards me and stood right in front of me and I wanted to faint. The whole room was charged with such a volatile atmosphere that it seemed combustible. She inhaled from her cigarette. So, you like my man, do you? I couldn't speak. Without moving, my eyes quickly glanced at the group of girls. I saw Jennifer and Nira talking to another black girl who was staring at me. Well, said the high cheekbone girl, is it true that you were eyesing up my guy? She pointed her finger in my face. Ellie, ask her how much money she's got, shouted the girl that Jennifer and Nira had been talking with. Ellie dropped her cigarette on the floor and ground it out with her shoe. Right then, how much? She held out her hand. The other girl slowly began to walk towards me. I took a step back and one of the girls quickly went and stood by the door. I was like a mouse trapped by a pack of ferocious cats. But, but please look. I haven't got much, I said, trembling as the vice of fear gripped me tighter. I held out my bag. Tears spilled down my cheeks and my bladder was threatening to empty its contents. Normally, when faced with danger, I would boldly confront it. But 
this was something completely out of my league. My head was swimming. Suddenly, the door swung open and I heard a voice shout, What's going on in here? The black girl said, Get out, Tia. It's got nothing to do with you. Oh, yes, it has, Carmel. I turned around quickly and just the sight of Tia gave me a little bit of hope and self-respect. Carmel stepped towards Tia, who seemed not in the least bit afraid of her and said, Listen, if you think you're going to stop me, you're wrong. Their faces were inches apart. I wrote this book in 2003 and it came to me that there were so many children who were experiencing bullying, particularly in school. And I knew of children who had gone through this situation. And I sensed the hopelessness that they had, the lack of support. And I began to think about my character, Lois. And as I thought about her, I built the story around her. And this was the result of this book, Lois. In regards to writing, I think everybody can write. But the difficulty is in being able to take those words that you want to use to shape your story and to be a mouthpiece, as it were, for what you want to convey in your chosen genre and your characters that you've picked is the difficulty. It's having a desire that goes beyond your thought blocks, your busy lives, dry periods in your life it's very hard to maintain and keep going but that's exactly what you want to do there is no magic formula that makes a person become a writer what makes a person a writer is somebody that believes that they are able to write and that they are able to finish and complete whatever it is they have started It would be wonderful to have somebody all the time to encourage you and push you on, much like a parent or a teacher. But it tends to be the case that writing is a solitary occupation. I can only say for myself that having written a number of books, short stories, and worked on comedy sketches for Radio 4, and worked on comedy sketches for the BBC Two Black Comedy, The Real McCoy. I have found that I have to draw on strength from within and one word after another, I apply to the page or the screen that I'm working on in order to push my story forward. And it's quite strange sometimes when I write something And then I leave it and go back maybe a day or so later and read it. And I think to myself, this is no good. And so I have to self-censor myself, as it were, in order to try to get the best out of myself. So I encourage any would-be writers out there that if you want to write and you've tried to write, do not give up. Just keep pushing yourself forward. Yes, you may be able to speak to other people and friends and share your story with them, but ultimately, it is your creation 
and the end result is what you want to see and what you believe in regardless of any rejection regardless of people say they don't quite like it but if you feel that this is what you want to do and how it should be then i encourage you to just keep going and don't give up thank you thank you to millie murray for presenting this month's listener contribution As always, we'll post links in our show notes so you can find out more about Millie and her work. We're always delighted to read your contributions. So if you'd like to see your words in Write On or hear them on this podcast, please get in touch. We'll share this link and all others mentioned in today's podcast as part of our show notes. I've been Tiffany Clare and you've been listening to Write On Audio. Write on Audio is produced by Chris Gregory and it's an alternative stories production for pen to print. This podcast is supported using public funding by Arts Council England.